And you are listening to Grow on the Go. And today, for the first time ever uh, on this podcast, I'm actually terribly, terribly nervous. <laughs> Me too. Oh, great. <laughs> because I am joined by a broadcasting icon and very close personal friend of mine, Daryl Jans. Good to be here. Good I'm, to see you, Thank Kevin. you so much for being here. Yes, this is the first time we've seen each other in like six or seven months. It is. At this point, because I got yeah. stuck in Australia. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, we try to see each other at least once a month. Oh, at least, yeah. 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 And I'm sure people are like... What's happening over there? This like <laughs> young woman with green hair. I mean, and this... the age spread between us yes. is considerable. So, yeah, yes, quite a bit. So, Daryl, you are a lifelong broadcaster. Just about. Yeah. Just about. I, I started my first job uh, out of high school in Herbert, Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. I uh, went to Teachers College and taught in an elementary school at Craven, Saskatchewan for one year and then went into broadcasting, a dream that I had had since I was a kid. Um, At the risk of aging you a little, you were the weekday uh, anchor, night anchor, um, as long as I can remember. At CFCN Television, then CTV Calgary now. uh, I started there in 73. I'd already had 11 years Mm -hmm. in the industry. Yeah. And um, as a matter of fact, had wandered around the country and thoroughly enjoyed a stint in Montreal uh, and in London, Ontario, and then came, uh, was asked to come out to CFCN in 1973 as their six o'clock anchor and uh, wound up doing that for 40 years. Yeah, which I just found out how long you did it tonight, (laughs) and I I practically shattered a glass. I exclaimed so loud. Um, And as uh, longtime listeners will know, I went to broadcasting school for Mm -hmm. radio broadcasting, and I started my career in radio, and which is how I ended up on this podcast. (laughs) And so... I've always been quite starstruck by you. You taught some of my instructors, some mm-hmm. of my broadcasting yeah. instructors. Um, and so the first time we really met is when we hosted a charity mm-hmm. concert together. And I was so smitten uh, by you as a person and as a co-MC. I, uh, I love working with co-MCs, but they have to fit Mm-hmm. into my way of doing things. Yes. And and uh, not that I'm hard to work with, but... No, not at but all. But I like, uh, and, and I was immediately smitten, and I said to the organizer of that event, I want her next year, too. <laughs> Which is honestly the highest praise I could ever imagine, and I've told all my broadcasting buddies, like, Daryl Jans likes working with me. Oh, I love working I, with you. I love working with you, and I love spending time with you. Um, mm. You are just such great fun, and... Uh, yeah, we we're on the same wavelength about we so are. many things. We are. We we. Uh, I think to be successful in broadcasting, mm-hmm. you have to be a little, just a little unusual. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I, you know, I, I think, I think to, uh, for, for the ordinary person, my dad thought I'd never be good at anything oh. because I wasn't a good farmer. I wasn't good at building things like my brothers and things like that. Uh, and, uh, he was so relieved when I found a job. And really, he was in many ways my inspiration because as a little kid, uh, preschool, uh, I loved listening to the CBC National Radio News. We didn't have television, of course. Mm -hmm. And during the war, the CBC National News ran at 8 o'clock in Saskatchewan. And reading the news was Lorne Green, who, of course, became a Hollywood star, and uh, Paul Cartwright in the in uh, Bonanza, oh yeah, okay, uh, show that ran for years and years, and and uh, I loved listening to this big voice of Lorne Green's, and uh, little dreaming that one day I would have a voice quite similar to yes. his, yes. and uh, and uh, uh, just so admired him. And loved listening. My brothers would be off playing on the floor somewhere, and I would be <laughs> beside the radio with my dad listening. And, I mean, for me it was TV, not radio, although I never wanted mm. to be on TV because I wanted to put extra holes in my face and <laughs> color my hair crazy colors. Um Yes. So this is even now just like, of course, we're friends, but mm -hmm. to be interviewing you on a podcast is like both terribly exciting and deeply unsettling <laughs> for me. I'll have to send this to my instructors and be like, look mm -hmm. what I did. Um, OK, so the reason rather than just talk about how much we love mm -hmm. each other that uh, we've got you on the show today is um, you're no longer an anchor, but you are still working. I'm still working. I, um, I am on the downhill slide now to my 80th birthday, which comes next year. Uh, and uh, I'm having a ball doing <laughs> when when I was when we were negotiating the end to my uh, to my anchoring career mm -hmm. at CTV Calgary. They said, what do you want to do? We don't want you to leave. Aww. I said, good, I don't want to leave. Uh, I said, I want to tell the stories of people who are doing amazing things but getting very little recognition for it. Mm -hmm. And they said, great, we'll call it Inspired. And so it's called Inspired Albertans now. I've been doing it for nearly 10 years, and there's just no shortage of people to feature. It's... Uh, it's just amazing. Uh, next week, we'll be running one, uh, a lady whose husband committed suicide three years ago oh. after he had bought a truck that was going to be a food truck. He, this was a dream he had had. He loved his wife's, uh, the, what she did with baked potatoes, oh, the wow. different stuffings and so on, and with soups. And so they were going to have this food truck. And so this year, this summer, this woman and her daughter uh, brought that dream of his to life. He committed suicide shortly after buying that truck. Mm -hmm. And and this uh, September, of course, had been Suicide Awareness Month. Yeah. And so she uh, decided it was a good time to launch this food truck. And it's called Super Spuds, S-O-U-P-E-R-S-P-U-D-Z. I love that. It's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> and I haven't had a chance to try any of her food yet, but I can't wait to because uh, it's uh, it looks so good. And, uh, and, you know, credit to her. Here she is 
far, far, far from family because she's from Britain. Oh, goodness. And, and has, still has quite an accent. Her daughter grew up here, so she's totally... Uh, integrated. Integrated, totally English or uh, Canadian sounding. Yeah. But, yeah, they're they're running this thing. And they have a great idea. Rather than just sit in one spot with the truck, they're going to go into new neighborhoods. And they will get out the word on such and such an evening, don't cook dinner, come and get a good, healthy uh, bucket of soup and uh, some bucket. great some great spuds uh, and uh, baked potatoes with different kinds of, of uh, stuffings in them. And, uh, and just put your feet up. That's a beautiful story of resilience. Isn't it? Yeah. And 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 so you set out wanting to tell those stories. Yeah. So what what made you what inspired that, for lack of a better term? Well, what inspired it was seeing and knowing personally mm-hmm. of people that were doing great stuff, and nobody knew them. This when when we decided that's what I was going to do. They said, okay, once it starts rolling, people will have suggestions. Mm -hmm. But where do you start? Oh, I said, that's easy. (laughs) I already know the guy I'm going to start with. I said, uh, uh, Laverne Erickson. And they said, who's Laverne Erickson? (laughs) I said, see, he he is the founder of this amazing place called the Rosebud School of the Arts and Rosebud Dinner Theater, a little hamlet that was dead Mm -hmm. near Drumheller. And Laverne Erickson took over the old hotel there that was sitting empty and started a school of the arts. Yes. And from that uh, came the Rosebud Dinner Theater. And now there are art galleries and there are old, it's a real arts town now. Yeah, a small cultural mm-hmm. epicenter in it Alberta, is. which is just beautiful. It is. Yeah. And, and this is all because of a guy named Laverne Erickson. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was my very first inspired Albertan in December of 2010. And uh, then people started calling in and, or emailing and saying, hey, you got to do so and so and so and so and and so on it goes. Ten yeah. years and counting. And you're not running out of stories, oh, which no, is amazing. Not at all. So what? What put? Um, I've already forgotten his first name, Mister Erickson. Oh, Laverne Erickson. Thank you, yeah. Laverne. I have the memory of a goldfish <laughs> uh, and a hummingbird. They don't remember each other. <laughs> no, they don't. Uh, <laughs> um, so what put Laverne at the top of your list? Because. I knew he would be a great start, mm-hmm. and and people would say, "Wow, I did not know that," and that's I love that. I I love it when when I can surprise them yeah. with somebody, and uh, uh, it was it was just so appropriate because it was in early December, and Rosebud was all decorated for Christmas, and mm-hmm. they were doing their Christmas play and so on. So we went out there and did the shoot, and uh, interviewed him. Uh, about, you know, what brought about the Rosebud School of the Arts. And what brought it about was when he did his master's in education at U of A in Edmonton, he, his thesis was that artistic people like you and I mm-hmm. learn differently mm. than normal people. <laughs> normal people, We're yeah. not normal. No, absolutely uh, not. And, and I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. He decided that artistic people learn differently. They learn best by doing things hands-on. Mm-hmm. And so he did his thesis, got his A, 
and then said, okay, now I'm going to do it. I'm going to start this thing in Rosebud, and uh, it just has grown from there. Most of their plays at the Rosebud Dinner Theater now, most of the cast are people who studied yes. at the Rosebud School of the Arts. Mm-hmm. I've done shows with people from Rosebud, and mm-hmm. they, they have a great litany. That's not what I want. Like a great repertoire of technical oh, yeah. skill. Oh. And also, they're just a delight to work oh, with. Oh, they are. Um, I mean, we're certainly painting a whole bunch of people with a large brush, but mm-hmm. from my experience, and mm. I would expect from oh, yours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's not just a story of highlighting, like, yeah, we brought like this whole... Um, like arts culture mm-hmm. uh, to small a small town right. in Alberta, it's a matter of like no, he saw a need that wasn't being mm-hmm. filled, right. and filled it. Mm-hmm. And as someone with ADHD and mm-hmm. is not normal in any sense, mm-hmm. I completely <laughs> appreciate that. Mm-hmm. School was a nightmare for me, and and the theater program I was in was really the only thing that kept me mm-hmm. in school. I'm quite mm-hmm. sure. What? So so I see what you kind of got from. Uh, from Laverne, but what are you generally looking for when you are choosing an inspiring Albertan? People who are doing something for the community, Mm -hmm. whether it be a fairly small circle or a very broad circle. Um, I mean, I can can give you uh, examples of a few of my favorites. Yes, please. My all-time favorites are a 17-year-old girl who is dying of a brain tumor, and a 105-year-old lady wow. who at 105 was living in her own home near the Bethany Care Center in, Cal- in northwest Calgary and going there as a volunteer. Uh, and I'll what? explain that. I'll explain that yeah. to you. Fascinating. Uh, first, the young woman, though. Yes. Uh, Caitlin Boyda, uh, at 16, they showed me pictures of her 16th birthday party. And, oh, my goodness, she was gorgeous. And she... Uh, less than a year later, was diagnosed with an incurable, inoperable brain tumor. Mm -hmm. And uh, while she was in the uh, Children's Hospital in Calgary, uh, the Children's Wish Foundation or whatever organization it was uh, came to her and said, Caitlin, what would you what would you like to do? Where would you like to go? Uh, and uh, she knew she was dying, but she was she was so solid in in a deep deep faith. And I think you know by the time I met her, she was near death, and she was just so rock solid. Mm-hmm. It was it was wonderful to sit and speak with her. She couldn't speak very well anymore, but mm-hmm. anyway, um, she was approached by uh, the Wish Foundation, and she said, give me, give me a little time to think about it. And her family knew that her time was not terribly long, and so they kind of were pushing her a bit. And one day she said to them, look, this has to be bigger than me. And, and so she finally one day she goes to her family and says, I got it. I read that... Compassion Canada is trying to bring fresh, clean, safe water to 40 villages in Uganda. And I'm going to see if the Wish Foundation will give the money they would spend on me to Compassion Canada and see how far that'll go. So she calls the Wish Foundation and says, how 
much for one village to get a well and and clean water and so on. They said 9,000 Canadian. Mm -hmm. And then she calls, uh, so she called Compassion. And then she calls the Wish Foundation and said, okay, uh, how much would you spend on me? I want to give my money that you would spend on me to Compassion Canada to get clean water to a village in Uganda. And the person at the Wish Foundation was dumbfounded. I'm sure they'd never gotten that before. We never had a request like this before, but good for you. Yeah. They said, well, we give up to $7,500. So she said, good. And then her sisters got on Facebook, which was a fairly new thing at the time, and started um, uh, fundraising. Oh, wow. And soon they had enough for one village to have a well. And then it got some media coverage in Lethbridge, where the Mm -hmm. family lived. And it began to trickle in. And when we did the feature on her, uh, it was up to, I believe, $24,000. And then we ran it on our Inspired Albertan feature. And in no time, they had 220 some thousand dollars they had enough to get all 40 villages uh, a, uh, a water system, uh, so it was more than, than 200,000 anyway, uh, and in fact enough that they got all the 40 villages in Uganda covered, plus a few in Kenya. Uh, wow, yeah. they've overflowed and to a whole other country. It, just, it was incredible. Churches held offerings mm-hmm. uh, to donate to this fund. And so a year and a half later, about two years later, her mother, long after she had passed, her mother sent me some pictures. Her mother had just come back from Uganda where they had dedicated Caitlin's Wells. What a legacy. What a legacy. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It was it still moves me to tears. Yeah. Okay, now to the other end of the The other end, yeah. The hundred and five year old Benny Panaro, this little tiny, maybe five foot (laughs) ten Italian lady, her niece in her seventies contacted me and said, You gotta do a feature on my aunt. She is a hundred and five years old, mm-hmm. living in her own house, still cooks a mean pot of spaghetti. She's Italian, and uh, every Tuesday, as a volunteer, she goes to Bethany Care Center to, in her words, help the old people get to mass. <laughs> so, Who are arguably so, like maybe even twenty years younger yeah. than her. Well, so here we are, uh, shooting this hundred and five year old pushing the wheelchairs of 80-somethings to the chapel for Mass. <laughs> and, and, and it was just so much fun. Uh, she was just so bright and alert. And she lived another three years beyond that. She died at 108. Goodness me. Mm-hmm. I'm tired just thinking about it. <laughs> me too. Just not the most positive outlook, but i got to say. <laughs> that's Okay, so you mentioned... The young woman was a believer, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, how often are uh, the people you feature believers? You, you probably don't know every I, time. I don't know every time. In fact, 
I have been many times pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. uh, finding out they they were, and it didn't surprise me. Yeah, uh, I, I think you would find uh, if you if you looked at the good work that's being done by people, mm-hmm. a large percentage yeah. would be believers, followers of Christ. I would agree. Mm-hmm. I would also say that I think. I think a lot of the time believers get kind of sucked in. And let me know what you think about this. I think a lot of the time believers kind of get sucked into believing that what how they serve has to be through the church. Yeah. Whether it's mm. in from the cold. And don't get me wrong. There's mm. nothing wrong with no, any no. of those things. But a lot of the time, and again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with this. A lot of the time, those sort of outreach ministries are done, yes, with, like, give mm-hmm. someone a, a good meal or, like, a new mm-hmm. set of clothes or whatever it is they need, but also um, to to witness and share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And God calls us to, um, he, you know, it's the Great Commission, mm-hmm. go forth. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Um, but God also just calls us to serve. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He put us here. Uh, to serve others. Yes. And and uh, yes, it's it's great. It's a great way to shine the light. Um, you know, as we read in Matthew, uh, you know, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in mm-hmm. heaven. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're out there serving soup and preaching. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it may be just serving soup. Yeah. And it may not even be, it may be for a secular organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you you're there shining the light. Yeah, absolutely. I the, There's a verse um, in Proverbs 31, uh, verses 8 and 9. Speak for those. You see, you're quoting scripture off the cuff. I have to have it on my phone. <laughs> oh, uh, I often do, too. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I just wanted to draw attention to the fact that you're incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute, mm-hmm. speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights mm-hmm. of the poor and needy. Yeah. And in a similar sentiment, um, Isaiah 1, verse 17, learn to do right, seek justice, defend mm-hmm. the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Seeking justice is big. It's yes. very important. We Especially we, today. Yeah. And, and often... Uh, Christians tend to uh, sometimes look at social justice as not being uh, following or serving Christ. Yes. But if it's done the right way, it's very important. It's extremely important. And when it's in line with what God calls us to do, which is fight for justice, for Mm -hmm. the oppressed, Mm -hmm. for the marginalized. And um, I think, I mean... Almost every denomination is at least a little bit different. The mm-hmm. way I was raised, um, faith a lot of the time is expressed through obedience. Mm-hmm. And we let that carry over to um, accepting the status quo. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily what God is calling us no. to do. No. And um, I, I think it's important that we challenge ourselves to look beyond what ministries our church is mm-hmm. offering mm-hmm. Um, because God has called all of us to serve. Mm-hmm. And we can pray for wisdom regarding when to witness and mm-hmm. when to um, you know, speak God's truth mm-hmm. into people's yeah. lives. Mm-hmm. 
But it's important that we follow God's lead on that mm-hmm. because a lot of people are have very hardened hearts and have been really oh. damaged by the oh. church. Oh, yes. Yeah. There's a great uh, Philip Yancey book uh, called Soul Survivor, S-O-U-L Survivor. Cute. How My Faith Survived the Church. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's, I gave that book to a friend of mine who had been badly burned by the church yeah. and, and left the church mm-hmm. and, and gone quite the other direction. And she said that book and a few others that I gave her, including Lee Strobel's The Case for Faith, yeah. uh, were what brought her back. Wow. Uh, she said, reading that Yancey book, she realized she was not alone in having been burned by the church. Yeah. And and uh, it, it was such a thrill to hear her say that. Yeah. Well, and God also challenges, and of course, I don't know the reference to this scripture. Maybe you do. God calls us to be in the world, but not of it. Exactly. And if we're not serving beyond our church, we're not in the world. Um, I think... You know, what's truly inspiring in, t- in keeping with the theme here is um, there's a Rihanna song, of all things, to quote, mm. uh, that says, we found love in a hopeless place. Mm-hmm. And to be that love in a mm-hmm. hopeless place, yeah. I think you are far more likely to reach people oh, and probably definitely. probably not on the first try. Maybe mm-hmm. on the first try, yeah. but probably not. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're approaching someone uh, who's a sex worker and mm-hmm. that's being badly abused or whatever... Mm-hmm someone that's wounded, they're going to take time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to follow God's example. Mm-hmm. And and actually, Jesus is a great example oh. because he chose the undesirables, yeah. Yeah. the tax collectors yeah. mm-hmm. who were hated, mm-hmm. the prostitutes, mm-hmm. um, and he just showed them love. Mm-hmm. It's so important mm-hmm. for us to... Um, take a step outside mm-hmm. of our church. For my mom, uh, she considers kind of her mission field, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. uh, to be the ladies in her painting class mm-hmm. because she kind of realized, oh, mm-hmm. all my friends are Christians. Mm-hmm. Even seeing places to serve mm-hmm. under secular organizations oh, yeah. could mm-hmm. do so much. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's we, we, we're supposed to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that expression, be in the world but not of the world, yeah. uh, is, is so vital. Uh, we, we are to be out there. We're not to be. Uh, like I have friends. Uh, I sang for a number of years with a, uh, with a touring ministry, a music ministry. Yes, Daryl has an incredible voice as well. <laughs> it, uh, I, I, I'm blessed. I come from a family of voices. You do. Uh, and uh, so anyway, the leader of our group uh, said one time, you know what we ought to do? Uh, we ought to rent some hall or something and invite our uh, non-believing friends, our, our friends who are not in the church, um, and and sing for them. And several of the people in mm-hmm. the in the group said, "I don't have any non-Christian friends." And he said, "Shame on you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, "He said you're you're not supposed to just hang around with those who think as you do. Yeah, you're supposed to hang around with those who need yeah what you have. Yeah, and." Preach with your actions mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it's you're mm-hmm. going to push people away if no. you're just like, hey, guess what? You're yeah. going to hell. Well, no one wants to hear that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and and uh, who was it? Uh, one of the great uh, 
men of God of the past. Uh, was it St. Francis? Uh, said, uh, uh, you know, preach at all times, and if necessary, use words. Yes. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. That's and actually a kind of a great place for us to wrap up. I could talk to you for mm-hmm. days at a time, but uh, we We're are out of time already. We, we are oh, out of time. Goodness, I know. This has been fun. I know. Thank you so much for oh, joining me today, Daryl. It's such a pleasure. We'll we'll probably have you on the show another time. Oh, love to. Uh, it. Oh, I'm so giddy. Mm-hmm. Um, So thank you to Daryl Jans for joining me. He's a legend, and I love him very much. Thank you. And um, I'm Kevin Pankhurst, welcoming you to Grow on the Go. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com.